This episode of Ministry Monday is sponsored by OneLicense. Did you know that OneLicense offers comprehensive options for posting your worship services online during COVID-19 and has brand new blog resources on virtual choirs, practice tracks, and updating your backdated reporting? For more information and to view their blog, visit news.onelicense.net. One License, Inspiring Congregational Song. From NPM, the National Association of Pastoral Musicians, this is episode 133 of Ministry Monday. Ministry Monday is a weekly podcast about music, ministry, and liturgy produced by the National Association of Pastoral Musicians, or NPM. What is NPM? NPM is a national association that fosters the art of musical liturgy. The members of NPM serve the Catholic Church in the United States as musicians, clergy, liturgists, and other leaders of prayer. For more information, go to npm.org forward slash join. Have a question? Email us anytime at ministrymonday at npm.org. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Ministry Monday. I'm your host, Amanda Bruce. Advent is never an easy time for those in ministry. We are used to the increased demands of time, talent, and commitment to our prayer and faith as we look towards Jesus' birth. But each year, we as pastoral musicians depend upon a paradigm from the year before. Let me give an example. We know that the hymn at communion wasn't long enough last year at Christmas Eve, and so we add another song. We know that maybe three-part pieces are better for the choir, as our tenors mysteriously tend to go out of town come Christmas Eve. We build upon the experiences of past years. But in essence, we know what to expect. So what do we do if that paradigm, those years of experience, are gone? What can we expect in a year like this? How do we plan? What do we do? That is the framework of our conversation today. Today, I chat with Holly Moore, Director of Religious Education for the Southside Mount Washington Parish Community in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Holly oversees a multifaceted, inclusive religious education program, which includes a vibrant young adult ministry, a catechesis of the Good Shepherd program, small discipleship groups, as well as an inspiring RCIA program each year to bring the newly faith-filled candidates into the church. I'll admit before we begin that I know Holly fairly well. We have worked together for several years now. The reason that I asked to speak with her today on the podcast is because Holly has the beautiful gift of seeing the sacred in the chaos, which in all honesty, I do not possess at times. But it's that lens of celebrating the sacred among us that is so incredibly valuable in a year like this, when we, the faithful, and our role as pastoral musicians are maybe compromised, questioned, and lost. 
If you're feeling even a bit of uncertainty in your ministry or just in life this Advent season, this episode is for you. So today on the podcast, we have Holly Moore. Hi, Holly. How are you? Hi. Thanks for having me. I am so glad to talk to you because uh, many of our listeners may not know, but I have worked with you for a really long time. Yes. You, (laughs) You and I have worked in our parish in its many forms and fashions and shades. I mean, we worked together when it was just one parish and then we consolidated with another parish and now we're consolidating with another parish and the face of our parish, like many parishes um, that our pastoral musicians minister in, looks very different. And on top of that, too, this year for everyone, <laughs> Advent and Christmas looks very, very different. And yes. so before we really get into any specific questions, would you mind just kind of sharing some of your reflections on like how you see approaching this Advent and Christmas season from your perspective? Sure, sure. Well, so definitely there is lots of challenge on so many different fronts this Advent and Christmas. People are dealing with all all kinds of upheaval and and challenge for sure. Um, And so I don't want to, I don't want to downplay that. At the same time, I also want to, uh, I want to focus on or shine a light on in some way. Um, The real opportunity that I think we have this year also, I think that we have an opportunity for some real beauty. Um, There, there is a, there's a blog that I used to contribute to a a while ago called Sick Pilgrim that, uh, that talked about its vision being mining the church for treasures. And I really loved that image and, and that sense of, of vision uh, because it reminds me of the fact that our tradition is so multifaceted. It has so much to offer in terms of devotion and teaching and different kinds of community celebration and all of those things that we can't possibly do all of them all the time. Um, but there's definitely a way to kind of dive in and find beauty and, and treasure in it. And so I think that this year we have that opportunity to mine the church for treasures in a way that we don't normally have uh, the time or space for necessarily. But this year we kind of have to, right? Because we can't, um, we can't gather in the same ways. We can't necessarily do all of the traditions that we've done before. Um, but that doesn't mean that we can't have a meaningful couple of seasons here. I think that it's it's time to kind of dig into the liturgical year in a new way and uh, and to be really intentional about what it means to be a domestic church. And I think there's something really beautifully um, traditional and also subversive about that. So I find that interplay really exciting. Let's talk about the the church at home. So what are some of the things that you are planning for for your children? You, you of course, are the director of religious education. Um, mm-hmm. What are some of the things that you're planning to hopefully build upon and strengthen that home church, if you will? Sure, yeah. So luckily, there are lots of resources for this, actually. In fact, um, kind of mining the liturgical year has been a thing that lay people have been working on for for quite some time. There are lots of 
um, certainly lots of blogs about this, but, but books as well. I'm, I'm not as up on the blogs, honestly, but the books, um, I, I have read some of them. So uh, there's a book that I love called To Dance with God by Gertrude Mueller Nelson. Um, she is also involved in Catechesis of the Good Shepherd and has been for decades. That's, that's something I love, Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. Um, and Gertrude Mueller Nelson in this book goes through the entire liturgical year and um, gives, first of all, just very beautiful and, and insightful, incisive explanations of, of what each season means liturgically, but then she also gives lots of examples of what you can do kind of day by day through the season. Um, and, and so that's something that I've, I've taken lots of thought from both for our, our own home as well as for helping to you know, shape what's possible for the parish. Um, there's also another writer, Kendra Tierney, who writes about the liturgical year and she does so in great detail. Um, and, and she's very conversant with the, uh, the documents of, of our church and, and even canon law in all kinds of interesting ways too, but in ways that kind of also, um, also include family festivities and, and even baking, things like that. Um, she's very detailed. And uh, there's, even a, there's even a book called Drinking with the Saints, actually, that goes through every day of the liturgical year with different kinds of cocktails you can make to celebrate the saints. So, um, <laughs> we just moved. I have not yet unpacked my Drinking with the Saints, so I don't think we'll do that one. But, um, but I've been really inspired, again, by especially Gertrude Mueller Nelson's work. Um, she, gives, she gives different kinds of... Um, the things that you can do for like St. Lucy's Day, for example, that there are specific buns you can make, but also um, also a, a place of, of honor for the oldest daughter of the house to um, kind of arrange the day for the family and to do these sort of acts of kindness for the family beginning with the, the beginning of the day. So I'm hoping Juliana will get into that. My, <laughs> um, and there's also, also another beautiful idea she had about um, setting up, you know, a crash in your house and, uh, of course, waiting to put the baby Jesus in until Christmas Day. But in the meantime, uh, putting, putting a, a piece of hay or straw onto the baby Jesus's uh, little cradle there for every time someone does a good deed in your house and that your kids can really get into that by, um, by, you know, being excited about when they do a good deed, placing that. Uh, and I believe, uh, Joanne in our, in our parish is also working on, on that for the outside of our church spaces as well, kind of a, a manger with hay writ large. Um, but I love, I love that sense of, that sense of time having meaning and there being ways for, for all of us to kind of choose what makes sense and what, what your bandwidth is for the year. Um, so personally, I'm not good at craft projects. I always feel like, I don't, am I a misplaced DRE? I'm really bad at craft projects. I'm not sure, but, uh, but I am really big on, um, finding places and spaces for mystery and for learning um, for every every person of all ages. So within our own family, it's just really beautiful and exciting for me 
when, um, when you know, my children as well as myself and my husband can kind of find something specific that we connect to, whether it's you know, pertaining to prayer or pertaining to some kind of action or, or service that, um, that we can kind of plug into and share with each other that can make the liturgical year more, more real in our own home, in our own space. So I'm going to take that one step further and ask you, so th those are great ideas. And I love, I love the engagement of the family as the, the, the church at home. But like we started with, we have this, you know, situation where many of us cannot gather in community in our church like we normally can. So how could someone take those ideas building up the home church and kind of use them to engage these family units or family communities with the larger community of a parish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I really like the idea that that in our parish grouping, um, several people are working on how to create um, kind of outdoor sacred space to, to have a sense of inviting people still to our physical community, our physical spaces, but maybe not having all of that be indoors. I know there, are, like I said, you know, Joanne in our parish is working on the, the manger scene outside with the straw, inviting people to come and, and place that. Uh, and I know that, you know, Donna in our parish is working on um, trees outside that can be sacred places of prayer. Um, and, and so I think rethinking what our, what our space means, rethinking what sacred space means, and then finding ways for people to come be a part of that kind of creatively at different times. Um, thinking also of like Father Daniel in our parish grouping who is working on having a live stream so that people can just turn it on and see the church and just sit in silence and stillness in their own homes, but watching watching the church, which maybe sounds a little bit crazy in, in a way, but I think it's not, right? Because we think of, um, you know, on cozy, cozy winter days or nights, sometimes we put on TV with the logs in the background. Right. That, that feeling of coziness in the fire, right? Even if it's not an actual fire. So I think similarly, to be able to just kind of tap into looking at that sacred looking at that tabernacle, looking at that sanctuary lamp um, can help connect from afar um, and, and rekindle that sense of, of what it feels like to be in sacred space, to then access that sacred space in ourselves as well. Right. Yeah, those are great. My last question for you then involves Christmas, maybe shifting a little bit from the Advent season into Christmas. So most of us who are listening to this podcast are struggling with Christmas, Christmas Eve in particular, and Christmas Day, where we all have this struggle where our spaces, which were current, you know, previously cavernous almost, are now limited in their space due to physical distancing. And not only that, you know, at the time of this recording, our numbers are going up in most places in the United States, actually in the world. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, my question to you is, how can we shift the paradigm in a parish community that Christmas is not so much just Christmas Eve and maybe help people understand the value of the entire octave of Christmas, which would in turn, you know, maybe even lessen the burden of that Christmas Eve four o'clock mass that we know is typically so full. Yeah. 
Yeah, so this is another example, I think, of, of kind of expanding our imagination in terms of the liturgical year and in terms of the meaning of time, um, which, again, I think we have a real opportunity to do in a beautiful way this year. Um, I think how many, how many Catholics don't even really know that there's a Christmas season um, you know, every year in, in the atrium, which is the space that, that we have the children, the young children in for Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, um, when we come back from Christmas break, we still have a couple of Christmas presentations um, because we're still in the Christmas season. And every year there are some kids that are surprised, like, what? It's still Christmas? And, and they're so excited because it's still Christmas. But, um, but it's just not a thing that I think we, we tend to celebrate so much or at robustly at least. Um, and so I think we have several opportunities. I mean, one, you know, there's the, the capacity to invite people to mass on one of those days during the octave and, and make clear that we are still celebrating. Um, there are, you know, of course, still activities that, that we can do during those days. You know, again, those Gertrude Mueller Nelson and, and Kendra Tierney books are, are full of things we can do uh, during the Christmas season, not only the Advent season. Um, but, but I think also allowing ourselves to maybe continue the practices that we normally would have done just on the 24th or the 25th, allowing ourselves to continue to feel that, that cheer and that expectation maybe all through the season um, is just a really simple way to continue to live that. You know, I usually send any Christmas cards that I send after December 25th, which honestly is just because I'm bad at logistics. <laughs> like that but um but i think maybe there's a beautiful space for that as well to continue the greeting continue the cheer because we're still celebrating past december 25th as we wrap up are there any other closing thoughts you have any other reflections about the advent and christmas season that you'd want to reflect on i hope we can look for hope i hope we can encourage each other and and remember that Advent is about finding and waiting for light in the darkness. So I, I love that Advent creates this container to acknowledge the darkness, but that even within that, um, there's this really hopeful light. So, you know, what better year to take solace in that and, and to really put our trust in that. So I hope for hope. I hope for hope too. Check out Holly's book recommendations by visiting the show notes of this episode at ministrymonday.org. The recording of Creator of the Stars of Night was produced by GIA Publications, and our theme music was produced by Aaron Schaus. Today's podcast episode was produced by me, Amanda Bruce. That's it for today. With the Spirit's gifts empowering us for the work of ministry, thanks for listening. Have a great week, and we'll see you back here next Monday.